Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing. The German Football Podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, before we talk about the final Bundesliga match day, let me introduce the two fellas that are always here. Manu, how you been? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well, Bryce. Um, first of all, congrats to you and uh, Chris, who we're going to introduce in just a moment. Liverpool finally, funny did it. 30 years. I, I hope that... You know that all of you had uh, a wonderful day yesterday, partied it up while also keeping your social distancing. So um, my congrats goes to the entire Liverpool community. I know there's a lot of Liverpool fans listening to this podcast. If you're not a Liverpool fan, well, maybe next year. But yeah, congrats. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Manu. And yes, it's it's been a fantastic week of football, including the match day uh, today, actually, which we'll get to. But yeah, it was a long time coming. I must say, I started supporting Liverpool a little bit late, actually, in life. I got into football, but uh, probably about 1994. So it's it's been a long old time coming. So it's it's. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. But I think that's the moment to go to Chris Williams here. Chris, um, have you sobered up yet? Uh, yes, I have. And thanks, Manu. Um, yeah, my first game was 1983. And um, I genuinely thought I might die without seeing Liverpool win the league again. So, um, yeah, I had a great night at home with my family. Um, a little bit worse for wear. I was feeling a little tired, but um, being buoyed by an excellent last day in the Bundesliga. Absolutely. It's been a fantastic week all round, well, especially for Chris and I, but let's talk about a fantastic match day in the Bundesliga. So the Bundesliga has completed. It's the first of the big five um, to complete before the 30th of June. Manu, I think we need to talk a little bit about that before we talk about uh, things on the field uh, today. Uh, I mean, credit to uh, everyone involved with this, uh, they've managed to get it over the line without really any hitches and see so your credit to them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, some people might point to the whole Dynamo Dresden thing as saying that it wasn't completely without hitches or say point towards um, some fan groups having come out. Um, but by far and large, the Bundesliga restart was an incredible success. And I think we've all seen the criticism that the league faced before it started up um, and the amount of video and content produced by journalists and commentators saying that the league was risking lives, that the, the league was um, not prepared, that we weren't ready to do this. And maybe sometimes um, using the experiences in their own countries um, as, as an example, but I think Germany was ready to do it. And I think when you look at the um, amount of cases that you've had since the restart, um, you know, the, the curve has been flat. Yes, there has been a minor outbreak in, in North Rhine-Westphalia that meant that lo the locality there has been shut down. But that was not Bundesliga related, even though it was related to one of the big figures in German football, Tunis. But I think by and large, the Bundesliga has, has done a magnificent job. And um, I mean, Chris and I, we talk about this all the time. They had a plan. They had a good concept and they they went through with it. And I think when I re recall writing about the, this whole restart concept, we even sometimes we even some to some extent expected that there could be could be some delays that some matches could be played um, because of players testing positive. Um, I think even 
I thought we would we would have more of a problem, um, and I was one of the optimistic people. But I think the way that the league has just been able to pull this off, playing all match days pretty much on schedule, it's a magnificent job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, Chris will probably uh, echo that opinion as well. Um, it's 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 went off. Apart from maybe Dynamo Dresden, as Manu mentioned, you know it it it's went off you fairly flawlessly, hasn't it? I think it's gone better than fairly flawlessly. I think it's been exceptional. Uh, if you look at how bad cases have been across Europe, and you look at how how many players tested positive um, during the during the you know during the return of the season, I, I think it's been phenomenal. I think it's worked really well. That the the protocol has worked. The hygiene protocol has worked. Uh, I, I think it's been tremendously done, um, and I think the other well, the other big leagues that have carried on, um, namely Italy, Spain, and England, um, have got a lot to be thankful for 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 the Bundesliga because they were pretty much well, they weren't pretty much they were the first to do it, but they went into uncharted territory with a really good plan. And I've spoken a, a lot different platforms. It wasn't a one size fits all, but these other leagues saw how Germany had brought the game back and they pretty much have followed it and tweaked it for their own various countries. I think it's it's been handled excellently. Um, I do get that it's not the same. It's, I, I think ghost games aren't the same. I think football without fans is not ideal. But what it's done is it's allowed clubs like Werder Bremen, who we're going to talk about, to survive. It's enabled clubs like Schalke, who Jochen Schneider spoke I don't know if it was this week or the back end of last week, saying that Schalke now are in a stable situation where they weren't before. They were potentially on the brinks of collapse without the TV money payments, without the the final sponsorship payments based on completion of the league. It's allowed clubs to return and it's allowed many clubs in the second Bundesliga to carry on. And it's allow- and it will allow those fans who want to go back to the game, it will allow them to, to go back to a club. It allows them to have a club to support. And whether you agree with football coming back or not, it's given you a chance to go back next season, potentially in a full stadium or a half full stadium, to support the team you want. Now, that's excellent news for me um, because the alternative was to see 10, 12, 15, 18 you know, at a maximum, clubs go to the wall, which would have been horrific, not just for German football, but for English football, Spanish football, Italian football. Look at the problems they've had in France by going off early. Um, and, and and how are PSG going to play in the Champions League? That's probably a podcast for someone out there in itself. Uh, I think the Bundesliga has done exceptionally well. Obviously, the DFL have done exceptionally well. And I think there's a lot of people to be thankful for. And there's also a lot of people who should be eating a slice of humble pie, I think, and have been, you know, fiercely critical um, when what's happened it's allowed football to continue whether it's linked to finances too much is a different question it's linked to finance without the money and completion clubs would have died and there would have been no clubs to support so for me it's been handled exceptionally well yes indeed and Manu if if we now look forward um, I, I mean as we've seen the other leagues in Europe uh, well, most of the, the big leagues anyway um, continue and they're not going to finish uh, just yet. Uh, and then there's European football to be played as well. Uh, when are the Bundesliga potentially talking of returning? Yeah, so the Bundesliga is going to come back on September 11th. That's that's a date set that a lot of domestic um, leagues have set. I, I feel France is doing the same and I think some of the other leagues as well. Well, we have a transfer window now until October the 5th. So we're going to be exceptionally busy um, pretty much until the end of the year. I've seen the, the UEFA calendars come out too, Bryce. And uh, I think there is going to be games every week, midweek uh, and weekend until December. So there's going to be a lot of football to cover. People working in the industry are going to be exceptionally busy. I hope you all enjoyed the time off when we were in lockdown because this is going to be a very busy period. But what will football look like? I think... Christian Seifert, who I have a lot of respect for, the head of this, the, the DFL, and we've interviewed, I had the privilege to interview um, already twice for articles I've done on Forbes, and I know very well, and I think is of all the league executives out there is an example to follow, and especially, you know, we know that I live in North America, and I see the league executives stumbling across problems all over the place here, NHL, MLS, NBA, they all should have given Seifert a phone call and maybe learned how to handle a restart because they, they're not getting it. 
And I think he's handled this really well. And I think a, he has come up with a plan that will also work for next season. There's been talks um, behind closed doors that we may be going to have some fans um, come back. Uh, and we're talking very limited here, Bryce. You know, just a few small numbers of fans. Um, if you look at the Allianz or the Signali Duna Park, maybe 20,000, 30,000 people. And that's for stadiums that hold 75 to 83,000, right, on a normal day. But that's an improvement. We're already talking improvements. We're already talking about the way football can be better while we live with this pandemic. And we're going to be in this fight for a long time with the pandemic. And I think another good sign that we've actually gotten this week, and I'm sorry I didn't put this on the agenda. I should have, Bryce. But the DFL star signed a new television contract for the next four years. And while it is less than what they earned before, and Chris pointed this out in a tweet. He did the mathematics for me, uh, thankfully, because I would have gotten it wrong. But per season, all 36 clubs will only receive about 60 million euros less than they did previously. That's for all 36 clubs combined. So that comes out at a little bit less than uh, a little bit less than two million a season for every club, less than what they had this year. That's a phenomenal result in in times of COVID-19. Um, that the league and the Bundesliga achieved that. And that will give the league a lot of security because when you look at the television contracts in other countries, we did an article on that for Forbes, um, England's television contract already collapsed by 20% before COVID. they looking at another gaping hole going forward. Same with Spain, same with France, same with Italy. The Bundesliga is in a magnificent position to have reached financial stability and can go forward now knowing that all their clubs... Um, will receive relatively the same amount of money. And that is fantastic news. Absolutely. That is fantastic news. Uh, and you're well done once again, you know, for everyone involved in the Bundesliga and making it happen now and going forward. But before we do talk about uh, the future, uh, let's talk about this match day. This is really happening. It's all going to plan for Bremen, who wants a penalty for handball. Big appeal. But look at that in the live table with Düsseldorf losing. They are going down at the moment and Bremen has scored again. Nicholas Fulkrug is in to touch it home. I do not believe what I'm seeing. Inside 30 minutes, Bremen have scored three times. And yes, that was one of the many uh, goals scored by Werder Bremen today. A very important uh, day for them. We will be talking about them and Fortuna in a little bit. But um, I I think we need to talk about uh, Gladbach and Bayer Leverkusen and just exactly uh, what way they finished uh, up their season. So I suppose we need to mention Bayern Munich had a fantastic season. They scored 100 goals, 82 points, four more than last year. Uh, Lewandowski scoring once again uh, and getting 34. But let's push that to the side because there's four other teams that um, just had a massively important day. And one of them was, as I mentioned, Borussia Mönchengladbach, who have had a a very uh, impressive season, finishing in fourth as they won 2-1 today, beating Hertha Berlin. Berlin. Um, this sees them get into the Champions League spot one point ahead of Peter Boss's uh, Bayer Leverkusen. And yeah, Chris, Marco Rosa, he, he's, he's done a fantastic job this year, hasn't he? Um, they'll be delighted with that Champions League spot. Yeah, yeah, they will. I thought, I thought you were going to say congratulations to Bayer Leverkusen then, Bryce, who um, Sky Sport Germany mistakenly <laughs> um, put the caption on with a picture of Marco Rosa drinking a beer. But yeah, you're quite right. Gladbach, tremendous season, really. Um, if you just look at the table um, and then you look at how Gladbach have progressed through the season, if you're not really up with German football, you might look at them and go, oh, actually, they must be really disappointed. They were long-time leaders. I think they led the, the, I think they led the table for seven or eight match days at one point. But if you look at how much their team cost, um, their average age of the squad, their experience, the fact that they've got a brand new head coach in, I think qualifying for the Champions League is a massive, massive improvement on what was last year, which wasn't a bad season then either. Um, so, yeah, for me, they've had a standout season. I think we all expected the top three to be Bayern, Dortmund and Leipzig um, in some order. It was only when football came back I think we got to see the true order it would end in. But out of the the race for the final start, which was between Gladbach, Leverkusen, 
um, Hoffenheim at some point as well. And I think Wolfsburg were in with a chance as well at some point. Um, I personally thought that Gladbach would get pipped at the final post um, by Leverkusen, but they didn't. And that's because of the way that Mocha Rosa has trained his Gladbach side. I was lucky enough to go there a few times this season. Their game against Mainz, where they just wiped the floor in Mainz, was you know exceptional. I thought they played very well in the in the last live match in Germany I saw before the suspension of football, where they played Borussia Dortmund. They still played very very well on that day, even though you know Dortmund were victorious. But yeah, it's a great season for them and a real solid building block. I hope they can keep the players, um, player and Theram especially, uh, and and I hope if they if they can add not more quality, as in they don't have any, but if they can add more quality to that great squad or they can bring in some youth prospects from what is a tremendous academy, um, I hope they can fight on two fronts next season because they're a great club. It's in a really nice area of Germany, very hospitable, um, and it's a club I like to visit. And the fact that you know they've got Champions League football, I think, underlines a tremendous season for them. And yeah, I think Marco Rosa can be very, very proud of what he's achieved um, since he's come over from Salzburg. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been a fantastic year, and I, I, that's a very good point, Chris. You know, people might look at the start of the season and say, "Well, yeah, but they were they were top." But we kind of knew that that was probably going to be out of their reach. And if you had offered them that Champions League spot at the start of the year, I'm sure they would have snapped your hand off. Uh, Manu, do you think there's a likelihood of them keeping um, some of the players um, that Chris mentioned? Your player and Thuram have been outstanding this year, um, but also maybe you're looking at investing and, and bringing in some more talents, you know, and really building on this. You know, a little bit like what Chris said. Do, do you see that there's going to be a bright future for them? Yeah, I do. I do really see a, a, a bright future for them. I think Champions League football is a big opportunity to keep a team together. And we've seen this, we've seen this last year with, with Eintracht Frankfurt, right? That um, a team, if they miss out on Champions League football, it's very hard to keep a very good team together. And um, they lost a lot of the key pieces. And unfortunately, that meant that they were in a bit of a rebuild year and um, did finish just outside the European places. And for, for Klappach, I think the danger w w was very similar. I think that if you don't finish in the European spots, you have a bunch of clubs uh, sniffing around at... Um, you know, players like Alassane Plea or Marcus Turam, Braille Mbolo, who I think has been magnificent. You know, he was once considered the brightest, one of the brightest talents in Swiss football. He went to Schalke, had two horrendous injuries and has, has lost significantly in his market value. But, um, this year he's still only 23. Keep that in mind. Has been a great player for them. And he was, he was great today. I really enjoyed watching him. He was involved in both goals. And I think that, you know, they have now that ability to hang on to all these players. And this is something that Max Eberl, their sporting director, has pointed out so many times this year that Champions League football would mean that. It would mean being able to build on what they have. And this is always the big problem for clubs that want to make that next big step, right? Because if you just fail on that next big step, if you're just on the cusp of it, then you have to unfortunately make up the money that you not earn from Champions League on the transfer market. And... They don't now. They don't have to do that. It's quite the opposite. I mean, we talked already about the new television deal, which means that Gladbach can plan more or less with the same amount of money, uh, television money that they would have gotten anyways. And on top of that, with Champions League money, and it's the group stage. It's forty million euros flat out to be invested in the team, and you see it with the names that they have been linked with. Um, last week we reported on Transfermarkt that they have made um, a record offer to sign Jonathan David, the young Canadian from uh, Car Gand, a young Canadian striker who's been among the best players in Belgium. And um, they made an offer for 25 million euros, which seems to be still a little bit short of what Ghent wants. But now that they have that Champions League money, it looks like they could maybe get that across across the, um, you know, get get that deal done. And then on top of that, Mark Gruich has been linked. And Chris can say a little bit more about him, obviously, because he's a, he's a Chelsea prospect. But I know that Gruich could... They, the idea that they have a Gladbach and it's because Rose and Klopp are very close friends uh, that Gladbach would sign him on a loan that would then allow them to sign him on a full-time deal the second year 
um, for around 18 million euros, which is about his evaluation uh, on Transfermarkt. And that would be already two players that would add to a very good side. And I think that that is basically, you know, what Champions League football does, Bryce. It opens the door for you as a club to grow. And both Chris and I have been many times at Gladbach. And we know that they are one of the most historic sites in German football. They were a site that in the 70s challenged Bayern every year for the title that came very close to win a European Cup that have won the UEFA Cup twice that have, you know, many titles, but have sort of been a little bit of a sleeping giant in some ways. And I, I think they, although they're not in the biggest city, they're in an area with lots of people and they're in Germany, a club that still carry a very big name. And I think this will allow them to, you know, it will allow Marco Torosa to get tools to be even better. Well, we're obviously talking about a bright future for Borussia Mönchengladbach, but Chris, um, I, I suppose we, you, we were talking about, you know, uh, seeing our club, uh, Liverpool, you know, 30 years since they won a title. Do you think that Borussia Mönchengladbach, you know, maybe not next year, but do you think in the future they should be looking at, you know, um, finishing their long wait for another title? It's a really good question, and, and it's one I've spoken about this week uh, quite a few times privately to, to many different people. Um, unfortunately, and I say this with a heavy heart at the moment, unfortunately, Bayern are just so dominant. I can't see when this cycle's going to end. Football's um, cyclical. It is. Um, just, you know, look around the world. Teams go through eight, nine, ten years of dominance and then they, they fall off. Most notably, um, you know, Bayern are in, in a, a period of ascendancy. If you're from England, Manchester United went through a wonderful period. Liverpool before them, Arsenal had a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a go of it. Chelsea as well under Mourinho, um, but Bayern are head and shoulders above everybody, and and financially they're head and shoulders above everybody, which means they can recruit the best players, they can pay the best wages, they can consistently qualify for the latter stages of the Champions League, which brings more money than some clubs could ever dream of. Um, and I can't see this cycle ending. Um, and that's and I say it with a heavy heart, not because I don't like Bayern, because I, I love watching them. I think they're a, they're a great team to watch. Um, you know, and Bayern fans will be will be over the moon about how good their team is. But if you're looking, who's going to challenge them? And I, I sound like a broken record. They don't have one. They have an occasional nuisance. Sometimes it's Dortmund. Sometimes it's Leipzig. Uh, earlier on the season, it was Gladbach. Um, I I can't see anybody stepping in. And fill in that gap because if they were to challenge Bayern, they would need a massive investment. And I don't know if they've got that. I mean, I know you mentioned Liverpool there, Bryce, coached by Jurgen Klopp, who I think is the best coach in the world. But he's not done it you know, on his own. They paid a lot of money for Virgil van Dijk. They paid a lot of money for Alisson. Sadio Mane wasn't exactly cheap. Salah wasn't exactly cheap. You know, you're not talking about £10 million buys here, which is, or €10 million Euro buys, which is what, you're glad back are looking between 10 and £20 million spending on a player. That's not going to win you the league. But for them, they need to qualify for the Champions League consistently and get far into the Champions League, win those group stages matches that bring a hell of a lot of money, get through to the knockout stages, brings in a lot of money, do that for three, four seasons. And then all of a sudden, you can splash out 35, 40 million on a player. And because you're consistently in a Champions League, they'll be happily come to you. You only have to go back five, six, seven years to look at the type of player Schalke had because they, you know, they were taken on Real Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League. It's it's key. Be a, a, a long and determined run over a few seasons in the Champions League and that allows you to build a squad. Dortmund are pretty much there for me. I think they've got a wonderful squad. I know we're going to talk about why they are so far off the pace and we've talked about it till we're blue in the face. But I think, you know, if, if Gladbach had the resources that Dortmund had and with Marco Rosa as their coach, they could quite happily challenge Bayern. But at the moment... I can't see that happening. And and that's a real sad case for them. And I say it's a sad case because I want to go down to the last day as a neutral and, and watch um and watch a title fight. I was quite happy, you know, I watched the Leverkusen game today. My man who took the Gladback game because there was that Champions League qualification was still up. Unfortunately in the UK I couldn't watch the Verder Bremen game because it wasn't shown for some obscure reason. But 
you know, that's what we want. We want to be able to see teams swap in places to the very last second. Think back to how Hamburg escaped from the drop for a couple of seasons. It was last minute stuff. And this is what, as a neutral, thrills you about football, is what makes you love football. Um, but for Gladbach, I just want to see them in the, in the Champions League consistently. And then they'll have the tools and the resources to, to build a challenge to Bayern, hopefully. Yeah, maybe just to add to this, and I'm fully with you, Chris. I think that Bayern have an occasional nuisance in, in Borussia Dortmund. But I think too, and the other Bundesliga teams kind of missed the boat on this one a little bit the last two years. And when Bayern are stumbling, you have to be there and you have to be ready and you have to take that opportunity um, head on like Klopp did two years in a row with Dortmund, right? He, he spotted that opportunity and he made good use of um, Bayern's weakness and those opportunities will still be there. They will still come. Bayern are not I invincible. They are look like it right now because, um, you know, of Hansi Flick and the, what he has done. But there will be times when when they will when they will go de deep in the Champions League and they will maybe struggle and that's when you know maybe a Gladbach will have a run, win ten twelve games in a row and that's when you need to be there and um, you know it's not going to be something that they're going to be challenged be able to challenge Bayern for for long term but maybe we'll have a surprise. Um, I am always you know maybe a bit of the nostalgic type but. I do think that football can sometimes surprise us. Like, who would have guessed that Leicester would ever win the Premier League? Or who would have guessed that Kaiserslautern would call up in the Bundesliga and win the title? Right now, Bayern look dominant, but you never know. Well, that's, that's obviously the joys of football, isn't it, Manu? And yeah, I think you've ever got to be uh, optimistic. But uh, guys, let's talk about Leverkusen. Um, Obviously, Gladbach um, have finished two points above them. The team swapped positions on last year when Leverkusen finished three points um, above Gladbach. Um, Manu, we'll go back to you. But how would you sum up the, the season? I suppose you know for for Peter Bosk and you know the the missing out on Champions League football and maybe what 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 caused this? I mean, when I looked at the table from last year to this year, they've actually scored more points this year, five more points, but it's it. Just wasn't good enough. Uh, Gladbach scoring ten more points, you know. Yeah, Bayer Leverkusen is such a funny one, and I think Chris and I both sound a little bit like a broken record when we keep talking about um, the way we do because we do enjoy watching them. I think they are a highly entertaining side, and when you look at the the talents that they have and keep on Irving, they're a very well run club. Chris and I were both there in November and um, they were very hospitable for us as well. They were, they, we were treated very, very well and um, we were shown the history and everything the club is about. It's not a plastic club um, in the way that it's often portrayed. But I think that as wonderful the football is that Peter Bosch plays and um, as entertaining it is to watch, and it really is, and you look at this team and... In my opinion, they are a Champions League club with the talent that they have. And they, they still might be. I mean, we're going to talk about the various Europa League scenarios in a moment. But I think it's just like Dortmund not being able to challenge Bayern because of lack of consistency over the last two years. The same issue is with Leverkusen. Gladbach in, this, in a stretch were just the more consistent. And that is key. If you want to play in the Champions League, if you want to qualify for the Champions League, you want to challenge for titles if you want to finish in the very top you have to be consistent you have to consistently perform you know um at the highest level and i look at leverkusen and the, the budget numbers came out this week and we know now that Bayer leverkusen have the third largest budget in german football behind bayern and dortmund you know this is not a team that should be finishing fifth they should be finishing actually ahead of leipzig and I think that is something that they will have to look at. And I, I, I know that Simon Rolfes and Rudi Völler, the team, the people that are in charge, and Fernando Caro, the, the CEO, they're going to be very critical and they will be looking at every little aspect of um, how this club is going to be operated. And I think um, uh, I think that this Europa League tournament that's coming up is going to be an opportunity for them, but it shouldn't have come to that. Um, I think they should have been able to to finish in the top four. Yeah, well, this is it. Um, I mean, with that budget, uh, Chris, we, we would expect a, a little bit more from them. I, I, I suppose we would we turn around and say that they've improved this season, actually, you know, with getting more points. But uh, and, and they've still got a Europa League um, campaign going on as well. And the Pokal, you know, there, there's a lot going for them. But 
as Manu said, you know, they, they should be in that top four consistently. And and for that reason, you know, it can be seen as a, a, a bit of a failure domestically. Yeah, I was actually speaking um, to someone uh, from the club before, you know, we came on to record this pod. And um, I, I think they agree um, with the way that I see it, which is, um, although they're, you know, they're fans of the club because they work there, um, I like watching by Leverkusen because you don't know what they get. And when I was talking to them, I said the beauty about Leverkusen is their only consistency is their inconsistency. And when you're a neutral, you know it's it's the best thing to watch because you do not know what you're going to get. But but if you're a supporter of that club, it must drive you wild because you know I've been to see them and I've seen them play sides like Juventus where I thought they equipped themselves very well, even though they were beaten narrowly by a better side. I've seen them get. I've seen them have be absolutely wiped, um, like a mop on a floor at Dortmund, and then I've seen them wipe Dortmund themselves. They're just a thrill to watch. Um, but yes, they should be consistently in the Champions League. Um, I, I I do think that. But then look at the teams around them who they're fighting. I mean, I think you know after what I said earlier, take out first place because at the moment I think unless Bayern have a bad season, Bayern are going to win the league. So take that out. Then you've got um, th- you've got three other sides, um, you know, who can fill that top four. But there isn't. There's six other sides who can fill that top four. So you occasionally will miss out because you know six into three available slots doesn't fit particularly well. Um, but today was another indication of of how good they are. And to be brutally honest, I was um, on a Saturday. Sometimes I like to watch the football. Uh, when I'm on a cross trainer, you know, lucky enough, got a cross trainer in my garage, uh, put my tablet in and watch. And I was messing around, setting everything up. By the time the picture came up, they, you know, they were one nil up because they scored after 70 seconds. And that's what Bayer Kuzan can do. And um, and it's it, and I'm laughing because I don't support them. But I would, if I did support them, trust me, I wouldn't be laughing. Um, they're just a joy to watch. And and yeah, they they're they're a very well run club. Um, they've got ambitions of being better. Um, they've got ambitions of bettering themselves. I think their scouting network is phenomenal, top level. Their ability to bring in players from South America is second to none. Their ability to play, bring in players from either the lower levels in France or some of the you know the guys who are French African is is phenomenal as well. Um, and unfortunately, they're they're in that mix of teams who are very competitive. Um, and sometimes you know they look like. 1970 Brazil and sometimes they look like the Brazil at you know 2014 so um yeah I just think they're a joy to watch but I can see how they would frustrate anybody connected with them well we talked about you know and uh, them getting in the top four but uh, let's talk about the the moment and they've still got a Europa League campaign going on they've qualified for the Europa League uh they've got the Pokal going on and Manu I suppose that this leads to a few questions, really. Um, we need to ask you, um, well, how do you think they're going to get on with that Europa League campaign? Then following up with that, uh, I mean, you've got Hoffenheim, which did fantastic. Once again, you know, they smashed Dortmund today, but they've secured a sixth. And then you've got Wolfsburg in seventh, who are still in the Europa League as well. I mean, after you mention about how you think they're going to get on the Europa League, I mean, what exactly happens if they win the Europa League you're with European placing? This is a good time to use that mathematics gif that's so popular on Twitter, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I think they have a good chance to win the Europa League. And Peter Bosch went on record saying today that they're going to focus on it. They're not going to give up on the Champions League because if they win the Europa League, they will have qualified, right? And when you look at their squad, I think they have a very good chance of doing exactly that. I think the biggest challenger in that in that tournament would probably be Manchester United and Wolverhampton Wanderers that I think Wolverhampton, I, I watch now a few times because, you know, the Premier League is back on and with my new Transfermarkt job, that is a, that's a competition that we, we focus on quite a bit. And I thought Wolverhampton could be a very, very tough challenger for them. But I mean, they also a side that they could beat. So I think Leverkusen, you know, being 3-0 up against Glasgow Rangers, they, I think they, or 3-1, sorry, they're going to win that, win that second leg and then move on into the tournament, which is in Germany. We, we looked up the stadiums, it's Düsseldorf, Köln, uh, Duisburg, and uh, fourth facility. Chris, remind me again, what's one of the fourth? Uh, Düsseldorf, Duisburg, Cologne, and Gelsenkirchen, the Veltins Arena. That's right. 
So I think they're playing in their own backyard. That gives them a very good opportunity. And if they win the Champions League, then their current group stage spot, Europa League spot, just gets converted into a Champions League spot. It has no impact on the or the other Europa League spots. So um, sixth Hoffenheim would still go straight into Europa League, and seventh Wolfsburg would still have to play the the two rounds of uh, so, yeah two rounds of qualification. Uh, sorry, three rounds of qualification, and unless Wolfsburg win it, because Wolfsburg are still in it too. Um, yes, they are down 2-1 to Schachter Donetsk playing that second leg in Ukraine. I do think that behind closed doors, they will probably have a pretty good chance of overturning that. Um, whether are they strong enough to win the tournament? Uh, Chris was joking that that's not going to happen before the podcast. I think in single elimination, a lot of things can happen, but I'm, I agree with him. I think that Leverkusen is probably a better shout. And Frankfurt, they're down 3-0 to Basel. I can't see them overturn that result, but behind closed doors, um, after a month of rest, German teams are extremely good tournament teams because this will be like a tournament. This will be like a World Cup tournament. And the, 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 the German teams will basically now take the month off and completely prepare for this like it would be a World Cup tournament. And there has been some people saying, oh, maybe it's um, a disadvantage for German teams to have the month off. I'm not so sure because you can basically now just pull your players all together and prepare them like Joachim Löw did for so many World Cup tournaments, for so many European European Championship tournaments. And that's how German teams are going to handle this. I mean, this includes Bayern, by the way, who, and Leipzig. Both of them, Nagelsmann and Flick. And Flick, in particular, knows how to handle tournaments quite well. And that's how the German teams will approach this. And I think the German teams, when it comes to tournaments, are probably the most dangerous. And it's going to be, I think, it's going to be interesting to see how it all unplays. But um, yeah, Leverkusen, I think um, they will be very motivated to take that that Europa League trophy and qualify for the Champions League after all. Yeah, won't they just? And yeah, there's still an awful lot to play for uh, this season for them and Wolfsburg uh, as well. It's uh, it's not quite come to an end for them yet and uh, we'll have plenty more to talk and report about. Yes, that was the famous foghorn or the tour hymna from uh, Werner Bremen. So, yeah, um, another part of um, our podcast, we like to introduce, uh, you know, different uh, songs uh, and chants uh, to you. A uh, big part of the game. And what a game today for Werner Bremen. It, it all seemed that they were dead and buried just a few weeks ago. Uh, losses to Bayern Munich and then to Mainz. Uh, plenty of people were talking about their first relegation in well, since 1980. But um, let's just be clear. They're not completely out of it. But a 6-1 win today has meant that they go into the playoff uh, relegation game. Which uh, gives them obviously some chance of staying up. Chris... Um, unbelievable, eh? I mean, they they you know they burst out of the traps. They got got three goals by half time, and you know they they were really up for the fight today. And I almost fear who they get in that relegation um, you know, playoff because you know they, they they've went out with a bang. Yeah, this is something I love about the last day, and I love the fact that in Germany, all the games, the last two match days, kick off at the same time, so no one has got the upper hand. They don't go into their fixture knowing, oh, we just need a point or we need three points or vice versa, you know, or consequently, sorry, we're safe. You go into that match and you think, right, we've got one chance of avoiding automatic relegation. We need to go out and play like we're kings at a football pitch and hope that whoever needs to slip up slips up. And and that's what happened. And Werder Bremen, who have been dreadful, and I would I had to choose my words carefully then because I, I wanted to choose something else that began with D uh, and, and ended with an S. Um, uh, they have been awful, but today they were just superb. And I don't know what um, has gone on before this game. Obviously, I do know they've got they've got ninety minutes to save their season in inverted commas, um, and they've done that. And you quite rightly say they'll go into that relegation playoff. But for me. When you escape relegation by the skin of your teeth on the final day and you go into that relegation playoff spot, I think it's as good as winning a cup final. And I think the endorphins and the happiness that the players will have 
from this victory today will will give them a lift like a cup final and it will make the relegation playoff and match that is a must watch and hopefully and fingers crossed for this um Hamburg HSV will will get that third place in the Bundesliga too and then it will be a Nord Derby we'll have a derby 180 minutes of hell derby match and I I'm really looking forward to this and Manu and I have been to a couple of, of, of these matches um, and they are great occasions but I think if you throw a famous derby in there which is what this is you know this is the equivalent of um, maybe not as big but it is the equivalent to the people of um, Arsenal versus Tottenham or Liverpool versus Everton or you know Barcelona versus Espanyol for for who stays in the top division, it, it, it's going to be a great occasion. I really hope that HSV get there um, because it'll just be a tremendous watch. I will get the biggest bag of popcorn ever and watch that match. But today, Werder Bremen played like they needed to escape relegation, and they did. Uh, and everybody, um, everybody took part in that. You know, the goals were great. They came from unlikely sources. Davy Klassen, who's had an up and down season was there. When he's on his day, he's on his day. I think he's a great player. Good to see Josh Sargent get involved in the goals as well. Um, yeah, a, a wonderful day. And, and you know, Kofel and the people at Bremen must be thinking, if only we'd managed to eke out one or two points since this restart happened, you know, they would be in a better position. But they're in the best position possible now. Um, and I think they will go in fuller confidence Um Hopefully not too confident, or they could end up like Stuttgart last season. But I think they will be confident in their own ability. Um, I shall now hand over to Manu, who will discuss whether Cologne threw the game that Dusseldorf went down. Yeah, did you see the tweet? Uh, one of my colleagues sent me this. Uh, Köln, one of the Köln bosses celebrating every Werder Bremen goal. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that Düsseldorf had this game in their own hands. All they had to do is uh, is win or get a draw even, right? And that would have been enough. So if if it comes down to that, yeah, you you have your own destiny in your hand. You can't really can't really expect your your rivals to to help you out with this one. Um what I do have to say though, Chris, um Fortuna blowing this seems to be very Fortuna. Um <laughs> this is this is something that follows their club history throughout the ages. And this is a club that I, I have gotten to know very well because um, Lutz van Stiel, who I know very well, is, is who used to be the sporting director. Maybe him leaving and the way he was treated at the club had something to do with it. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate for them. But um, I want to also talk about this 180 minutes of hell. And I just want to add a little caveat there, Chris. It is great for everyone but the fans of the clubs involved. And I've been in the unfortunate position that my club has been involved in three of these. And it's just not a lot of fun. It's um, horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous feeling. So I know I have a lot of friends that support either Hamburg and Werder. And some of them, you know, I work with. Um, in fact, Transfermarkt, I would say about 80% of the people working there, either HSV or Werder fans. It's going to be a very interesting workplace if that game takes place. I personally hope it will happen. I think it'd be hilarious to watch, but yeah, I, I think it's hell if you're in it. Uh, it's absolute hell. And for the, about, what is it, 10 days that it takes place over about 10 days, it is the most stressful thing. Um, it is great fun and entertainment to watch if you are neutral though. It harks back to the old days of, of a two-legged cup final, which is, I think in essence, it's what it is, isn't it? Winner takes all. It is a, although it's a, it's a playoff to see um, who stays in the league or who gets promoted from a league. It is, in essence, a cup final. And I love it because you can win 2-0 and still possibly get beat 3-0 the next game. It's, it's, I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to watch on my side Liverpool in a couple of cup finals and had, you know, they that Champions League game being two-legged, beat Tottenham 2-0 first game. I would hate to have to sit through another 90 minutes of that. It must be hell, but you're quite right. For someone neutral like me, it, it's popcorn night. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's always entertaining for the uh, neutrals, isn't it? As you said, Manu, it's maybe not so uh, relaxed, I think, for the uh, the teams involved. Um, 
So we we talked about you know, it being a fantastic occasion if uh, Hamburg uh, end up playing uh, Werder Bremen and and it absolutely will be and we we even talked uh, before we came on the podcast that you know it 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 is very much like a, a cup game and you know, also as Chris mentioned and anything can happen in that case but Manu just to go to you I mean how how do Heidenheim you know fare are, are they going to be able to beat Werder is do you see that as a possibility. Absolutely. I don't think anyone gave Union Berlin much of a chance last year and they pulled it off. Remember, a 1-1 away and a 0-0 at home and you're through. And that, that is, that's the brutality of this. You can get relegated with two draws and you can get promoted with two draws, essentially. And that is, that adds that extra layer. And it is, it is like a cup final for the winner. But for a no cup final, do you get relegated if you lose it? And that adds, just an extra layer on anything. And I think Heidenheim, they will go in, would go into this game without having anything to lose. No one will expect them to get promoted. And those are always the most dangerous sides. The teams that have nothing to lose. The teams that you don't expect much of. And I, I know Chris raves about Heidenheim and the, the way that they have basically been consistently working with the same staff for over 10 years. And as a small club have work very hard to be in this position. They are a very well-run team. They're always about 5th, 6th, 7th in the Bundesliga 2 and a very strong competitive league. I think the Bundesliga 2 probably ranks among the 10, 15 best leagues in the world. Not That includes all first divisions. It's a very, very, very strong league. And to be as consistent as Heidenheim have been in that league... Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I would not underestimate them at any day. And you know what? They are currently in that spot. They are third. Um, they have, you know, a very difficult game against Arminia Bielefeld that probably want to celebrate their title win in Bundesliga 2 with a victory. But don't take anything away from them. They could very well win that game and play Werder Bremen in that playoff spot. Yeah, Manu's quite right there, Bryce. I, I, I've got a lot of time for Heidenheim. And I think people will remember their cup run. Um, how good they are um, in the Pokal. And yeah, he's quite right. Frank Schmidt is one of my favourite coaches in, in the whole of Germany. And now I'm going to sound like a broken record because if you haven't seen Trainer, um, look it up. It was on Netflix. It probably still is on Netflix. Might even be on YouTube or the way you can pay to watch it. Um, it's it's in German, but it's got English subtitles. Really easy to follow if you don't speak German. Um, and it's a fascinating watch. And over the coaches that they they follow in that documentary, you know Frank Schmidt comes across head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, Andre Schubert's in there as well. Um, he, he comes across as as just one of those. I'd love. I, I I watched that. I knew who he was anyway, but I watched that documentary on Manu's advice. And you know, I wanted to get my boots on and go and play for Heidenheim. And he's one of them coaches that you would run through a brick wall for. Um, and he managed right. He's been there a long time, ten years. But but he's. I think he knows that that is the perfect club for him. It is the perfect fit. And was he to move on, it would be potentially a disaster. And that's why he stayed. And the two together are a wonderful combination. I do worry that if they were in the relegation playoff, I think they could quite easily beat Werder Bremen because we've seen how good they are um, playing top level football in the Pokal, which is you know it's a cup game. Um, and the relegation playoff is pretty much a cup game, as we've already discussed. Um, I, my only fear would be the gap in ability the next season um, when they were in 
the Bundesliga, but they'd be a joy to watch and it'd be a great place to go. Um, you know, supposing we can go still. Um, but I, I would worry that they would be a Paderborn or an Ingolstadt or a Darmstadt. You know, they'd be straight back down, um, which would be a shame for them. But you know, they would get to buy the replica shirt and the players would wear the shirt with the, the Bundesliga patch on the arm. So I'm sure it would be all good for them. But yeah, as much as I'd like to see that Nord Derby, um, I would like to see Heidenheim um, in that game and in the Bundesliga just as much. Yeah, it's going to be good regardless, especially for the neutrals, as we said. Um, Manu also bringing it up that um, Heidenheim are away on Sunday to a champions, Armenian Bielefeld. And that leaves Hamburg taking on Sandhausen as well. So uh, it's definitely one to tune into and, and we'll be uh, keeping our eyes glued to the results. Um, guys, before we move away from uh, Werder Bremen, um, Manu, I'll just go back to you here. We're going to talk about the uh, future of their uh, star man. That's uh, Kosovo midfielder Milot Razik. Uh, and he... Um, He's had a fantastic season, hasn't he? But he seems to be linked with just about everyone at the moment. He's he scored plenty of goals and assists for them. One of their, their bright moments of the season. But it seems like Hertha Berlin and RB Leipzig are sniffing around him at the moment. Um, what's the story here? I know that there was talk of him having a relegation um, clause in his contract. But there may be more complications to that than, than what it seems yeah and I also should add he had a great season until he was linked to all those clubs Bryce um, he had had a good game today um, but he did struggle a little bit after all those transfer rumors broke um, the one that a lot of people in Bremen wrote about and we have good connections in Transferring to Bremen so and I do think they, where there is smoke there is fire um, that he had a deal pretty much in place with, with RB Leipzig and that's personal terms, right? Uh, they had a, a sniffing around. I know Liverpool at one point are interested. And I think when you look at his relegation exit clause, which is 15 million euros, uh, 10 to 15 million euros, we don't know exactly what it is. Probably add-on bonuses and all that other stuff um, that always you know, gets an asterisk. That is not very much money, uh, even in a post-COVID-19 world. Now, the problem is, legally speaking, that exit clause expired on June 15th. But I think... Where I struggle a little bit with, and this, this is what we've been told, right? As exit clause expired June 15th. But where I'm struggling with it, and this is something that if it ever does come to it, I think they, I would get the lawyers involved because uh, legally speaking, the season isn't over by June 15th, but today is June 27th, right? And uh, we don't even know the promotion relegation teams. Bundesliga was very good getting it done before June 30th because July 1st is that free agent cutoff time. And they, that's why they were so adamant of trying to get at least the bulk of the season done you know, we still have cup finals and the relegation and all that, but the main season is done. So I'm not actually sure what this means in terms of his clause, because I think that if you are a club that wants him and Werder Bremen lose the promotion relegation playoffs, I think Rashika and whoever wants to sign him will have a case um, that the exit clause, yes, it expired on June 15th, but it was in mind with the season being over on May 15th, which would have given any club a month to decide on this exit clause. I, I think the last word on this isn't spoken and it will make, it will be very complicated. I, I hope that, you know, on the parties involved, if they, if it comes to this and Rashika decides to leave and he wants to go to a different club, um, will be able to uh, doing this without, um, you know, this turning into a massive transfer saga. And very quickly, Chris, uh, just before we uh, head to the quick-fire Twitter round uh, of questions, uh, what exactly does the future hold for Fortuna now that they uh, they drop back down after two years in the Bundesliga? Um, well, great question. Uh, I think Fortuna Dusseldorf are one of those sides that fall into the bracket of, of where um, they are one of the best um, 20, 25 teams in, in Germany, which... Unfortunately for them, means that they will either you know, be nineteenth or twentieth, um, or they will finish seventeenth or eighteenth, and that's that's what's happened to them. Um, they will go down. Obviously, they'll lose a significant chunk of income. Um, they'll probably have uh, a few players who will want to leave, uh, but they're a good side. They have been run very well in the past. Um, you know, Manu's spoken about um, Lutz Flanstiel, um, who's obviously gone now, but they were able to. 
to get some real good loan deals in. If you look at some of the players they brought in, um, Zach Steffen, for example, from Manchester City on loan, um, that's the type of player that they will need to bring in. Um, you know, that sort of quality. Now they've been relegated. And yeah, it's a tough league. Manu's already said it. I mean, it's a tough league that a powerhouse as big as Hamburg have struggled to get out of it. Um, Stuttgart, you know, are another side who um, who didn't perform as well as expected. Um, uh, so it's a difficult. It's difficult for teams who drop down to go straight back up, even if they're perceived to walk that league. I think everybody thought that when Hamburg went down, they would be straight back up. It didn't happen. Um, so it, it's complex. It's a complex league. Um, but they are in a good position to be able to, you know, be there or thereabouts and challenge him for third or first or second. But yeah, it, it'll be tough for them. Um, I, I don't think you can say, oh yeah, they're automatically going to come back up next season. I don't think Bundesliga 2 works like that, which is why it's such a great watch. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, I'm sure there'll be a, an entertaining side again and we'll see them in the uh, Bundesliga uh, in the next few years. Uh, they, they, they're they definitely... Uh, as Chris said, fall into that category of the top 25, I would say, at, at least. But guys, let's go to our Twitter questions. We've got plenty today and lots of uh, really good ones, too. So um, we're going to start off with uh, Brilliant Red, who um, sends us the question, what do Bundesliga sides, and Gladbach in particular, need to do for future in the Champions League? And we're going to go to uh, Chris for this one. What, what is it? Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Gladbach, but what do you think they need to do to um, have success in the competition? Yeah, so um, obviously, thanks for that question. What do Bundesliga, uh, Bundesliga sides need to do? Um, I mean, this season, they've got two great sides in it. Um, Leipzig, I thought, played very well, shown their worth against Tottenham. Um, Bayern uh, are one of the favourites, I think, along with Manchester City, for me anyway, to win that um, tournament. I know Manchester City still have a, a, a hurdle to negotiate, but the, the, you know they're definitely up there. Um, I mean, Bayern just need to play the way they played um, under Hansi Flick, and I think that you know, trophy could pretty much be theirs. Um, Leipzig, it's going to be a loss for them, especially with Timo Werner now taking no further part um, in proceedings. I think he's a massive loss for them. You know, he leaves as their all-time record goal scorer, which you have to take with a pinch of salt because they're only a very young, embryonic club. Um, but records have to start somewhere, um, and he, you know, he's their top scorer, and he leaves. That's a massive loss for them. Um, but they've got the coach that is Julian Nagelsmann, who's shown his worth in Europe this season, um, and he's shown his, his worth in Europe with um, Hoffenheim at times as well. So I think maybe they just need to play to their strengths. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. But next season, if if he's on about what can Gladbach do next season, um, hope that they get a good draw um, because they could be in a situation like Salzburg were this season, where they're a very good side. But unfortunately for them, they got drawn in the same group as Liverpool and Napoli. Um, and I keep my fingers crossed for Gladbach um, to get a better group than what Salzburg had this season. Because if they do get a good group, they could go very well in that competition. Yes, indeed. So we're going to go to the uh, second question. This one directed at Manu from Fritz Bolov. I hope I got that right. Uh, it's a few uh, transfer questions here. So what's going on with Bayern's transfer and contract negotiations? How does Kouassi, uh, this is the, the youngster from PSG, the defensive player, figure uh, into Bayern's future plans? Will Thiago and Alaba be back? And are we going to have to wait another year for Sané? Also, what's the latest on Kai Havertz? That's a quite a loaded question, Manu, but off you go. Oh, that's a lot of questions. Um, thanks, Fritz, for, for sending them in. Um, let's start with, with Kouazi, the new, not confirmed yet transfer, but we all know what's going to happen. I think he's he's one for the future. He can play right back, center back, uh, midfield. I think they're hoping that um, bringing him in on a free transfer, he's, he's worth about 12 million euros and they're going to get him for free. I think they're hoping to do something similar that they have done with Davies, that they have found someone who they can develop and, you know, turn into a world superstar. Like they have done so many times. Kimmich is another example, right? Um, they're very good at identifying young players and developing them. Um, are we going to have to wait another year for Sani? No, I think they're going to find some sort of solution. And as of Kai Havertz, Leverkusen have made it quite clear that there's not going to be any transfer talk until the Europa League season is done. 
There we go. That, that does it. You answered those uh, that loaded question quicker than I was expecting. So uh, Milan asks, uh, Favre feels that last two seasons with the squad that can, that can be stronger. Why stick with him? I watched uh, Bayern 2. They're good. Do you think clubs without uh, amateur teams uh, are at a loss? How do they make the transition between the under-17s, the under-19s, uh, to the first team? Uh, Chris, uh, how do you feel about answering that one? It's it's quite a loaded question as well. Yeah, it is. Thanks, uh, Milan. Um, okay, so let's just break it down. Um, has Favre failed the last two seasons? It's, it's a good question. Um, has he failed? Um, I think last season, yes, definitely, because I think Dortmund threw the title away. It was in their hands. It was in their destiny. Um, and I think when things are going well um, as a coach, you take the plaudits. And when your team are playing poorly, I think it's down to you. And so for last season, yes, I do. This season, I think they have occasionally been poor. Um, and I think he he worked out a transition and a tactic that included the likes of Haaland and Sancho um, and Hazard and Brandt and Guerrero. Um, and they've played a lot better, especially the second half of the season. I think they played a lot better. But when push comes to shove, they've slipped at certain games. Um, so the, the second Classica um, is, is a great example of that. I thought they played very, very well against Bayern, but Bayern did what Bayern did. And they exploited the only weakness which was there on the day, which is the fact that Berkey comes off his line and, that, and that's how they won. Um, and I think that's the difference between coaching sometimes. I think Lucien Favre is a great tactician. I don't think he's a top-level man-manager. I think to win a league, you need to have both. Um, and why stick with him? I think they believe in the way he plays football. Um, they wanted him before... Um, you know, they wanted him before he arrived, the season before he was top of the list. Um, I I can see him getting this season coming um, if they don't act after today's, you know, horrendous result against Hoffenheim. Um, Zork spoke in the week um, about the game before that, how he, he thought it was terrible and, and some of the players are already in holiday mode. Well, they were certainly in holiday mode today. How the club views that is, you know, it's, it's okay saying we're going to stick with a manager or a head coach, but when a result like that happens on the very last day, and Bryce, you know, you Liverpool fan, a man who said we've got a lot of Liverpool fans, think back to when Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool side were battered 6-0 at Stoke on the last day of the season. It didn't set a very good tone for the for the season coming after that. Um, I would suspect that if everything goes to plan, um, he will get the chance until January. Um, I think if he doesn't turn it around, then I, I think he, he could be walking a, a tightrope. Good football cliche there. Um, and then for um, Bayern 2, yes, they are very good. Um, and clubs that amateur teams are a loss, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that because the pathway at some clubs is exceptional. Um, if you look at clubs like we've already mentioned, Hoffenheim, um, Leipzig, for example, um, Mainz, um, you know, they've all got good pathways into the first team for, for youngsters. Um, I think sides like Bayern, who have got that second side, they need it. Because they've got the best players that you know money can buy and wages can or money can pay for for wages, so they have to have an alternative route. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure it'd work in other places. I think if you started getting it happened in England, for example, and they did talk about it, it was it was quickly shut down because it, it's not seen as the right way for here. Um, but in Germany, it's a, it's a well known fact. Um, so no, I don't think they're at a loss. I think the clubs that don't have that pathway have got good internal pathways and, and we see it week in, week out. I don't think every side should have one and those that haven't seem to, to do all right without. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, well, um, well done answering that loaded question as, as well, uh, Chris. Uh, we've kind of run out of time today. We did have one or two other questions, but we'll we'll try and touch on them next time. We we it may be the last match day, but as we mentioned, there's still that relegation uh, playoff uh, game to come up, and we'll make sure to do a podcast covering uh, both of those games. Um, it's going to be rather uh, exciting and interesting to see just who comes out 
right on top. Of course, we've got before that who is actually going to be in that playoff game. Um, that will be a, a rather interesting one, and we we hope that you tune in to 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 watch and we'll see what the outcome is. But that more or less does it for us today on the podcast. Um, we appreciate you listening to all the match days, and we'll be back before you know it. Auf Wiedersehen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.